Walking through a dream, I see you. My light and darkness, breathing hope of new life. Now I live through you and you through me. I pray in my heart that this dream never ends. I see me through your eyes, breathing new life, flying high. Your love shines the way into paradise. So I offer my life as a sacrifice. I live through your love. And these words grab at our hearts and they tug at our minds, not just because they're, they're part of this very fantastical film, this phenomenal story, which is really a story that's from ancient of times. It's about love and redemption. It's about evil being conquered by good. It's about sacrifice. It's about dreams and hopes being fulfilled. But these words tug at our hearts because this is the story of our lives. We want to know what makes relationships work. What can I find in love, really find in love? Is it possible to know these things? Or are these things all a big secret and a mystery that I can never know or understand or fathom in my wildest imaginings? People think about the Bible as a theological book, but it is truly so much more than that. It's a relational book. Sometimes people think, well, all you're going to learn if you read the Bible is about God and, and who God is and what God wants you to do. But what they miss is that part of what God wants you to do and part of who he is is helping us be rightly connected to each other. He wants us to know the secrets of relationships. He wants us to, to know them and to live them and to build our lives on them. And so as you open the pages of Scripture, as you read different sections, all of a sudden there are deep lessons to be brought into our lives, to be integrated into the very fiber of our lives. And every once in a while, one of those chapters just, just jumps off the page and lights up your life. And one of those chapters is a part of what we're going to do today as we look at next to normal, secrets of relationships. The Apostle Paul waxes eloquent upon relationships in Ephesians 5 because he knows that we ache in our souls to be in right relationship with each other. He has some of the answers right here. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. And it's just like God took that and plucked it out of that letter from 2,000 years ago and put it right down today and reminds us this is so much of what you need to remember. This is so relevant for your lives today. Each and every day you see how people buck this. Each and every day you see how people go against the grain and, and kick against the goads of God in all kinds of things in life. But, there, but among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed 
because these are improper for God's holy people. And it's not like God saying, I want you to be prudish and I want you to, to have uptight lives. It's really what he's saying to have freedom. It's really what he's talking about, that your life will be finally secure and filled with hope and meaningful, and you'll feel good about your life if you honor the things that I've asked you to do. Nor should there be obscenity, which is filthy language, foolish talk, which is the word in Greek that we get our English word moron from. No moron stuff. Or coarse or coarse joking, which literally means quick turnings of words, double entendres. You're, you're so good with language. You can make everybody laugh. But it's not worth it if you make everybody laugh at everybody's moral expense. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. Live your life being thankful for your life and all that you have in it. For of this you can be sure. No immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man is an idolater. In other words, people have set up the wrong things to honor and to worship, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. There will always be arguments. Oh, stop being so religious. Oh, stop. You know, you're going to just quote the Bible, you know, chapter and verse at me all the time. You know, live a little bit. Have a little fun. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. It upsets God when people don't live the way he hoped for them to live, the way he, he died for them to live. Therefore, do not be partners with them for you were once in darkness but now you are light in the Lord live as children of light for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness righteousness and truth and find out what pleases the Lord have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness but rather expose them for it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, for it is light that makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Wake up. Live the way God wants you to live. Figure out what makes God stand up and notice you. And then what I think is the real powerhouse of this passage. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. There's a lot of stuff going on that should not be happening. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Live your life to do what he needs you to do, what he wants you to do. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Make music there is literally to pluck the strings. Play the guitar. Pluck the strings. Make music in your heart that God will understand and know always giving thanks to God the Father for everything 
in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Live not having to be right all the time. Defer to somebody else. Sacrifice to give somebody else what, what they need. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ because he submitted himself for you. I love these verses in Ephesians 5, 15 and 16 in the King James Version. See then that ye walk circumspectly. Circumspectly means just to, to see all around you. It's a 360 degree view. Walk in your life. Live your life so that you see everything that's going on all around you. That is the way to be smart. That is the way to be wise. And then it says, redeeming the time. Redeeming the time. Being willing to pay the price, whatever it takes, to make things good. Being able to pay the price, to use time as wisely as possible, to invest the times and seasons and places of your life in wise ways. Are you circumspect? Are you looking around and seeing everything? Are you investing in, in a wise way in your lives? This is the word from Paul to remind us about the secrets of relationships. Dr. Henry Cloud wrote a book called The Secret Things of God, Unlocking the Treasures Reserved for You. And much of what I'll talk to you about today is dealt with in this book, but so much more. This book is a great treasure of helping you to understand what it means to bring faith and life together. I would recommend it to you for personal reading. I'd recommend it to you for small group study. I'd recommend it to you uh, to give as a gift to someone who you think is struggling with his or her life. It's really an excellent, excellent book. Understanding what makes relationships work is a holy calling. When researchers ask people what makes them happy, the answers come back over and over and over again. Close relationships. I want to be in close relationship with other people. It's as if we were made for relationship by a God who in himself embodies relationship, and that's exactly why we are wired the way we are. Today, we're going to focus on the secrets of relationships. And I can't cover everything, and certainly this is only a beginning, but I'd like to hit on, on five key secrets that I think will make a difference in your life this week. We're going to look at the key principles that once understood will allow us to build solid connections with each other that lead to relational fulfillment in God's plan. Okay, here's the first relationship secret, the next to normal relationship secret. Don't talk about sports with a non-sports person. Do not talk about sports with a non-sports person. I tried it this week again. It doesn't work. It just failed miserably. I was trying to explain to Gail how, how in two weeks, the biggest event of the year is going to take place, the Super Bowl. Everybody is focused on it. Everybody is thinking about it. It's huge. It's the biggest single sporting event in the entire year, and I really want to be a part of it. It's so big. It's huge in everybody's mind. And she goes, it's only huge in your mind. And I said, no, no, no. You, you don't understand. This is bigger than big. This is more mega than mega. It is what everybody thinks about. Everybody's pouring advertising dollars into this. I'm going to be a part of this. This is going to be amazing and is outstanding. And she said, you are nuts. 
and I'm not going to be a part of it, and I don't even know what you're talking about. I said, well, I'm going to, I'm going to be there, and I'm going to watch this thing. She said, I can find a lot of other things to do. Don't worry about me. So the first secret is don't talk about sports with a non-sports person. It'll save you a lot of pain in your life. But that's now that I got that out of the way, I feel better. And, uh, and now we'll get to the real sermon. Okay. Next to normal secret number one. It's about you. It's about you. And here's the truth. You attract relationships that fit you. Dysfunctional people attract dysfunctional people. Good day. God bless you. (laughs) Healthy people attract healthy people. And so take a look at who you are attracting into your life. It's about you. And this doesn't mean that you can't be helping somebody, that you can't be supporting somebody. If we couldn't be helping somebody or supporting somebody, we wouldn't be living a normal life or a next to normal life because we all have relationships with people who need that. And sometimes we're the ones that need that. So I'm not trying to say that. What I'm saying is look at your primary relationships. Who do you go to for wisdom? Who do you mostly spend your time with, and that will tell you what's really going on in your life. Often, very often, our people picker is broken. That's true. Often, our people picker is broken. If your people picker is broken, you have to find the problem which is inside of you and fix it. Here are the not-so-secret questions. Do I need to fix someone And so I always find fixer-uppers. Am I a controller looking for women who need to be controlled? Am I a mom looking to take care of little man boys? (laughs) Thank you. God bless you. I've got lots of exit points in this message. Am I negative needing a person who criticizes me? Am I a rescuer and need an irresponsible man to save? If your people picker is broken, find the problem inside of you and fix it. When honesty, responsibility, love, faithfulness, and commitment become your leading edge, the leading edge of your life, the people who show up in your life will be those kinds of people. And those who can't handle that will leave. It's about you is the first secret. You attract relationships that fit you. What kind of relationships are you attracting? Next to normal secret number two. Trust is the way to love and misery. It's the way to both love and misery. The key thought here, the key concept here is do not believe what people say. Believe what they do. Watch performance. Do not listen to excuses. Observe actions over time. Time is the key ingredient to trust. I've done a lot of interviews in my lifetime, and every interview presents just about the same way. The person is, is amazing. They're stellar. They can do it all. They've, they've done it all before, and all their, their, their 
references or saying basically one thing, this person is great and wonderful and amazing, which is why it's really hard at the interview level to understand what's really going on with a person. The only way you really understand what's going on is through observation over a period of time. Jack Welch, the famous CEO of General Electric, in his book Winning, says that you really don't know who you've hired or brought on your team until about a year and a half later. And what is he saying? In a year and a half, in 18 months, you have the time to observe, and you will see what somebody is over time through observation. It's the same thing in relationships. This is why trust has to be built on time. Time is the key ingredient to trust. And if you don't have time in a relationship, you're not going to have something that's very trustworthy. Here are the not-so-secret questions about trust is the way to love and misery. Where has misguided trust hurt you? In other words, where did you get out of the blocks so fast and you just didn't have enough time to build real trust? Who have you trusted and found love with? Who have you trusted and found love with? And if you look at that, most likely that's come out of a long period of time with that person. Who have you trusted and found misery with? Who have you trusted and then it all fell apart and it all got so broken and it all got so messy? Look at the performance issues there. Look at what happened there. You'll see in the behavior all the stuff about mistrust. It's all there. Where do you have questions about trust right now? It's okay to have questions about trust. What are your questions about trust? Are you observant about actions over time? Do you really take the time to look at somebody's life and what they really bring coming out of other kinds of relationships that they have in their life? Relationships with their family, relationships with their friends, relationships at work. If you have somebody you're trying to have a friendship with and they've got a lot of, you know, there's sort of a a train wreck of friendships behind them, you're probably going to be a casualty too at some point. If, you're, if you have somebody who's had a lot of different jobs and they never, you know, everybody, wherever they've worked is really totally dumb and they're the smart person, guess who's going to be dumb next? You know? Henry Cloud talks about the difference between sprinters and marathoners. Sprinters are people who look good in the beginning but can't run the whole race. Life is a long, long race. It's a marathon. And sprinters are people who really look good in the short term. They talk well, they look good, they smell good, they dress well. But in that burst of 30, 60, 90 days, maybe even six months to a year, you're just beginning to see who they are. Marathoners are trustworthy because they pace themselves so they can finish well. Marathoners see the race is long and see that it's hard, and they know at the different places what they need to do to to readjust and, and recalibrate the way that they're approaching the race. You can trust marathoners. You're not always sure with a sprinter how things are going to go as the race gets longer. Life is a marathon. It's never going to change, and trust only works that way. Trust is the way to love and misery is next to normal secret number two.
Next to normal secret number three. Wholehearted efforts are the only ones worth having. Wholehearted efforts, the only ones worth having. There's a great verse in 2 Chronicles. In everything that he undertook in the service of God's temple and in obedience, in obedience to the law and the commands, he sought his God and worked wholeheartedly. And so he prospered. This is about Hezekiah. He worked wholeheartedly. He sought God, and so things worked out for him. Why did they work out? He put every ounce of energy and strength and focus into what he was doing for God and for the work that God gave him to do. Wholehearted efforts are the only ones worth having. On Tuesday, I went to see Lou Holtz speak at, uh, at Chrysler Hall. And I love it when I can sit under a famous coach or a famous leader, a uh, famous business person, because I can learn so many lessons about life that they spent 30, 40, 50 years learning. And it was just that way uh, with Lou Holtz. And he just, he talked for over an hour about all the different experiences that he had at Notre Dame and other places and the great success he had and how, you know, he could have stayed at Notre Dame and, and broken Newt Rockney's record for wins at that school, but he decided that it was time to respect that, that record and to, and to move on. But one thing that really stood out to me from Lou Holtz was his honesty about a time in his life when he failed. He failed because he wasn't wholehearted. You see, he was coming out of being such a successful college coach that he was offered a job in the NFL. Some of you might remember the New York Jets offered him their head coaching position. And he decided he wasn't going to take it. He and his wife decided he would go up for the interview to be courteous, but there was no way he was going to take that job coaching the New York Jets. So he went up there for the interview, and, and one thing led to another. And, and if, if I'm guessing right, they probably you know, wooed him well and offered him a lot of money and, and really made him think that this was going to be his next great opportunity to show what a successful coach he is. And so he took the job. He signed a five-year contract with the New York Jets. He comes home and he says, I signed a contract to his wife. She says, we agreed before you went that we weren't going to do this. He said, yeah, I, I know. And he went to New York on a five-year contract. And he lasted eight months. And he was a great coach. So what happened? He said, this is what happened. My heart wasn't in it. My heart just wasn't in it from the beginning. And so even someone with great skills, even someone with, with an amazing track record in life will fail when their heart really isn't totally in something. Here are the not-so-secret questions about your heart. Is there an area of my life where right now I'm on cruise control. Is there a running on fumes commitment in my life? Which, that's really not a commitment at all if it's just running on fumes. Am I satisfied with the same old, same old stuff? Have I made a rut to live in? And all I've done is wallpaper the rut and got new furniture for the rut. But if I peel it all back, it's still a rut. Did I make a decision my heart wasn't in? And I feel stuck in that right now. And maybe the most important question, am I wholehearted about what God wants for my life today? 
Am I all in with his will for my life? Wholehearted efforts are the only ones worth having is next to normal secret number three. Next to normal secret four. Sometimes to feel better, we have to feel worse. Here's the verse, Ecclesiastes 7.3. Sorrow is better than laughter because a sad face is good for the heart. Sometimes you got to take the hit. Sometimes you got to face the truth. Sometimes you just have to own the pain and embrace the failure and let it go down, go down with the ship. Sometimes that's the only way to go. Sometimes to feel better, we have to feel worse. This secret teaches us to do two things. First, drain the wound. Drain the wound. Cloud writes, old hurts, if they are not healed, keep us from trusting new relationships. It's a great principle. Old hurts, if they are not healed, keep us from trusting new relationships. That's one of the reasons we do things like Tuesday night solutions here at church, because we want you to find those places where you can find healing and support and community in in a very real way in the middle of of the church, in the body of Christ. The second secret that this teaches us to do, second thing this secret teaches us to do is take out the trash. Take out the trash. Taking out the trash means facing the negative emotions inside of you, facing them, really looking at them. Cloud writes, all of this facing the negative emotion stuff can be really hard. It is not easy to face our pain, our badness, and our unforgiveness. It's no picnic. Even though it hurts to face our hurts, it also heals. So in this sense, suffering can be a good thing. Sorrow is better than laughter because a sad face is good for the heart. Here are the not-so-secret questions. Is there a wound right now that I need to drain? Is there trash I need to take out? And the big question, what's my next step? Next to normal secret four is sometimes to feel better, we have to feel worse. And finally, next to normal secret five, good relationships come from having good relationship skills. Good relationships come from having good relationship skills. Cloud writes about a couple that he was working with. The woman in her 30s, in her early 30s, wanted to leave her husband because of a conflict they had been having for a while. Certainly, he had some issues that caused her pain, which he was working on and changing. Of course, he wasn't perfect, so some of her complaints were valid. But she was completely unaware of how her own attitudes and behaviors were contributing to the problems. She was sarcastic and biting in her comments about him. She would not acknowledge any improvement he made and basically saw him as all bad. At the same time, she had the fantasy that if she just got a divorce and started over with someone else, it would be all good. She thought she had made a mistake in marrying him and that if she just found the right person, all would be wonderful. She was sure a new relationship would be awesome. Finally, I just had to tell her, the only problem with a new relationship is that you would be a part of it. (laughs) There is no way it could be awesome no, no matter what perfect guy was in it. She looked at me with a stunned, frozen look. You think 
that a good relationship would come from finding someone new. And I'm telling you that you do not possess the skills to have a good relationship, no matter who you might find. That is why I think you had better stay right where you are and learn how to have a relationship with the man you're married to. Until you do, you will be incapable of a positive relationship with anyone. Needless to say, we had a lot to talk about after that. We can only have relationships that equal our own ability. So if we want the great things that relationships offer, like love, security, and growth, then we have to be people capable of building love, providing security, and fostering growth. When we are, we can have the relationships we want. Until we are, great relationships will elude us. This is, the big pro- this is the big problem in the dating world. I see people over and over looking for the one. All their energy is focused on the person they are looking for, not the person they are becoming. All of their energy and effort focused on the person they're looking for, not on the person they are becoming. So how do you get great relationship skills? What do you do with all this stuff? That's what we're doing here. That's what we're doing here right now. It's what we need to do. It's what we want to do. It's what God wants us to do. Church is not just about knowing God better. It's not just about doing good things in the world. It's about knowing God better. It's about doing good things in the world. But it's more than that. It's about becoming the right kind of people. It's about relationships. It takes a long time to have good relationships. It takes a lot of forgiveness to have good relationships. It takes redeeming the time. I hope you signed up for that. It's what I always call bringing faith and life together. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, redeeming the time. Do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Live his will for your life. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. He gave himself for you. Give yourself up for the right kinds of relationships. The next normal secrets, it's about you. Trust is the way to both love and misery. Wholehearted efforts are the only ones worth having. Sometimes to feel better, we have to feel worse. Good relationships come from having good relationship skills. And God wrote you a letter. Dear friends, you ache to know each other, but do not know how. Let me explain your ache. I have called you to a holy work. I've called you to be connected to each other at the heart, soul, mind, and strength levels. It seems impossible, but that's the only way to imitate me. You imitate me through vital connection to each other. And you can only imitate me authentically if I possess your heart and you have access to my mind. It's in your world, inspiration and perspiration. It's all of you and all of me all the time. Imitation is holiness. It's spiritual integration with your life. Most of you think being holy is inaccessible. But holiness is not something that only exists in heaven. 
in its most powerful form. It exists in every conversation, in every celebration, and in every human connection. It exists because you need it into your layered existence. It lives because you bring your entire self to the holy moment, and all moments are theater for holiness. When you think about struggles, pain, and injustice, you can bring a renewed spirit of holiness to the equation and change it. When you feel overwhelmed by bitterness or circumstances that have escalated out of your control, you can bring holiness to balance the scales. This is what is meant by redeeming the time, by living a 360-degree view of any moment in your day. In that view, you will always see me. In that view, you will move beyond what is to what might be. In that view, you will begin to grasp the handle of my will for your life. It may be that to feel better, I need you to feel worse. It may be that trust defiled gives way to marathon trust. It may be simply by by asking the right question at the right time, you will find the right result finally. Be very careful then how you live. Be very careful then how you live. No matter what happens, imitate me. You live through my love. God. Dear Heavenly Father, we need to see ourselves through your eyes. We need to know a love that goes beyond reciprocal love, that goes beyond, I did this for you, will you do that for me? We need a love that is full of redemption, a love that overflows with grace. Father, help us to imitate you in all things. Help us to be submissive to each other as your son was submissive to a cross for our sake. Father, in all these things, may our relationships reflect the light of who you are into our world. May our relationships be significant and full of hope in all these things. Father, may the secrets of relationships become the everyday reality of how we live. We give ourselves again today into your holy hands. Allow us only the honor and privilege to serve you well and to know each other, satisfying the deep ache in our hearts for relationship. We ask this in Jesus' name.